You're listening to the February 11th edition of The Close-Up, the Film Society of Lincoln Center's weekly podcast series. This is Brian Brooks, Managing Editor of FilmLink.com. And this is Eugene Hernandez, Deputy Director of the Film Society. On this edition of The Close-Up, we're featuring a live discussion with filmmaker Abderrahman Sissako, whose feature film Timbuktu is nominated for an Oscar in the Best Foreign Language category. Sisako's Timbuktu, which is in select theaters now, had a perilous journey en route to the big screen. It's a story that is geopolitically apropos, but told from the point of view of a small village. Set in a town not far from the African city of Timbuktu, in the country of Mali, and under the rule of Islamic fundamentalists, the story follows various inhabitants, including Kadan, who lives peacefully in the dunes with his wife, Satima, daughter, Toya, and Isan, their young shepherd. In town, the people suffer, powerless, from the regime of terror imposed by the jihadists. Music, laughter, cigarettes, and even soccer have been banned. Women live in the shadows, but resist with dignity. Every day, the new improvised courts issue tragic and absurd sentences. Kidan and his family have been spared the chaos that prevails in Timbuktu, but when their destiny changes abruptly, Kidan must face the new laws of the foreign occupants. Before filming began, a suicide bombing took place near their location, so production was moved to the North African country of Mauritania. Although cast and crew changed locales, they were still working under intense pressure and under threat. The local army served as their protectors during the six-week shoot. Abderrahman Sissako, one of the leading filmmakers from Africa who has won awards at the Cannes Film Festival over the past decade, took part in the Film Society's Free Talk series sponsored by HBO during last year's New York Film Festival. Brian spoke with the filmmaker about making Timbuktu and the conditions depicted in the film, which are all too familiar in the news today. The director spoke in French, and an interpreter gave his responses in English to the live crowd at the amphitheater here at the Film Society. So let's go now to Brian's conversation with Abderrahman Sissako. Welcome. For those of you who haven't seen this film, it was in Cannes, and it really was, it's a remarkable film about a subject that we have read or see so much in the headlines um, today, um, that it's in a different part of the world. The ones that we see in the headlines are maybe slightly away from where this film takes place, but it's very much uh, you know, very relatable from what, what we've seen. Um, but it gives a very uh, personal story um, beyond what we have kind of maybe know from what we read in the news. So um, so let's start off maybe just with the genesis of this. Um, I believe that what sort of began the road of Timbuktu was that you had heard about or seen as like a, it was a, a killing of a couple, I believe, in a, in a town in Mali. Um, is that correct? And maybe just kind of like walk us through the beginnings of this film. 
bonsoir et, et merci, merci d'être là et je dois avouer que c'est un exercice pas facile. Um, first off, um, I want to say thank you, thank you for coming, and also to let you know that this isn't really an easy thing for me to do. <laughs> voilà. Et, euh, the actual thing that was the trigger for making the film was an article that I had read in the newspaper about a couple that had been stoned, um, and it took place, the stoning actually took place in a, in a town in northern Mali. Ce drame a été relaté de façon... And this drama, this very dramatic thing, was reported in the papers just like just, you know, some little, you know, little unimportant article. Et donc, euh, pour moi, euh, and I actually found that fact to be pretty revolting. And so I felt that as a, as a filmmaker, there would be, there was something I could do about it. And, but this was not something that's very common, obviously. This was something that was a result of an insurgency by by Islamists, is that correct? Oui, déjà... I think that, first, I think it's really helpful to avoid using the word Islamist because it may lead people to think of it being connected with religion when in fact it's really quite different because Islam is a religion of tolerance and of compassion. And what is being done to it here is that these are people who are using it to serve their own purposes. And it's like we speak today about the Islamic State in Iraq. Well, you know, it's neither Islamic nor is it a state. It's a group of violent people. So what you and your co-writer, how did you want to tell this story? Um, it's obviously, as I mentioned, it's, it, it's a very personal story of individuals living in this town, but it also has a macro side to it um, of a phenomenon that we have seen around the world, but it's told through the story, um, this remarkable story of these people um, in and around Timbuktu and Mali. Um, when I first thought about making this film, I thought that I would show the stoning as um, an animated film. Mm. Voilà. Et, euh, mais But animation takes a lot of time to do. Voilà. Que je, donc, je And while I was already working on this film project, there was a killing um, just like the, of, a, of a shepherd, um, a Tuareg shepherd, just like there's a killing in the, in the film. Donc cet homme a été arrêté très And this, it was actually the same. It was a shepherd who murdered a fisherman. And he was very quickly arrested and he was um, sentenced to death and he was executed in a public square in a very violent way. Donc la fiction a consisté à imaginer sa vie, sa femme. So for me, the fictional part of it was to imagine what his life was like, what his wife was like, what his daughter was like, and the destruction of that way of life. Et, et dans le fond, euh, à travers l'occupation. And this story I wanted to tell against the background of Timbuktu, and Timbuktu is a is a, a very multicultural city. It's very diverse. It has a lot of um, extraordinary aspects to it. 
And it also has a, a, a very special type of Islam where people are very open and they're very tolerant and they listen to what other people are saying. And it's, it's this particular type of Islam that has been taken hostage by the jihadists. And what I mean to say by this is really it's Islam which is the first victim of the, of the jihadist movement. When watching the movie, and I had also read that um, that you had considered a documentary, or that you wanted to bring in documentary elements into the storytelling of this film, is that correct? No, au tout début pour pour faciliter. It is true. At the beginning, I thought perhaps I would shoot it as a as a documentary because it would have been much easier to do and also much less expensive. But very quickly, I realized that for the kind of story that I wanted to tell, the fictional film was the better choice. So how did you find your actors um, and where did you shoot actually Timbuktu? You know, in, in my country there is not a long tradition of cinema and there is not a long tradition of theater either. So it really becomes difficult when you need to do a casting of actors. Donc j'ai commencé à chercher. So I, I first went to the music world because there were more musicians and singers that I thought I could voilà, find. Pour ceux qui ont vu le film. And for those of you who have seen the film, the, the main character, Kidan, he's played by a musician who is really Tuareg um, and who lives in Spain. Donc sa femme, Satima, and uh, Tula Kiki, who plays um, Satima, who is his wife, she's also a singer, she's from Niger and she lives in France. And the head jihadist is a Mauritanian actor. And Abdel Karim, who is the jihadist who comes first to, to see the wife, he's an um, Algerian actor who lives in France. And the woman fish seller, um, she is a Malian actress. And the little girl Toya comes from a refugee camp in Mauritania. And the film was shot in Mauritania, in Walata, in Mauritania. Parce que très dangereux de tourner à Tombouctou. And we did it there because it was far too dangerous in, to shoot in Timbuktu because of the, the threat of suicide bombers. And so for that reason, we shot it in Mauritania. But we did go back to, Tubang, to, to Timbuktu and we shot there for two days with a very small crew and we went in a very anonymous way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was wondering about the security of that because I would imagine this, well, the spectacle of filmmaking, you know, and there might be elements that may not be so happy about this happening. So I was wondering if that was something that you still had in the back of your mind, but obviously you were in a different, you weren't in Mali. Um, but I was, was wondering if that was like an element that was still hanging over you as, you, as, as, as the production was happening. It was, a, it was a real danger and you know it was even a danger in uh, Mauritania as well but we were fortunate to have the support of the Mauritanian army who really really protected us for the shooting which lasted for six weeks. But in this kind of area where things are in flux and, and it's very dangerous you can just have so much protection and there's nothing that protects against suicide bombers. So there really was this kind of tension that existed throughout the shooting. And 
yet the film was made and it was made with a great deal of courage from a lot of people. Parce qu'il faut que vous sachiez que les gens là-bas sont des gens. And it's important that you understand that these people they've been wounded because their faith has been corralled by these people who, you know, are not believers and it, it's 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 really something very very awful for them. There was such a naturalness with the just the you know people as the movie like just moved forward as you know the, the, their interactions were very I don't know. They seemed like the, maybe that the dialogue did have a bit of a where, where maybe the documentary element came in was that it seemed to me anyway that that there was maybe some improvisation in the dialogue and I was curious about that and how strict um, did you adhere to the script? No, it's all pure fiction. Voilà, les choses sont inspiré de la, de la réalité certainement. But inspired by reality. Um, you, you were talking about music and that, that it's a very strong tradition in this area. Um, how important was it to in, to include that in the storytelling and how important it just kind of give an idea of what how how music is um, is. Which, what's the word I'm trying to look for? <laughs> Respected um, among, among, among this area population. Um, it was really important for me in making a film on this particular subject not to make an American-style film where there are the good guys and the bad guys. I wanted a film that would encourage exchanges between people that would communicate this kind of relativism rather than doing some sort of spectacular film with a great deal of violence. Donc la musique était importante. Um, music was very important for me. It was very important for me to include it in the film because first of all music had been prohibited by the jihadists during the occupation. Là, elle est importante aussi parce que la musique fait partie des éléments euh, narratifs euh, narratif d'un film, hein. c'est une dramaturgie la musique euh, dans le cinéma. And I think also it's important because the music plays a part in the narrative because in a, in, a, in a film you have the dramaturgy but you also have the music that helped to propel the story. And it also makes it a little easier to present scenes that may otherwise be too violent. I want to delve a little further into um, how you didn't want it to be so black and white because that was definitely something that, that uh, left an impression on me as I was watching it. Um, and you know, even the the, the jihadists, um, while you know they are, I guess, the antagonists of this of this story, they are nevertheless there's a hum, there's a humanized element about them. Um, you see them, and there are particular moments where they aren't quite the uh, you know evil evil gun waving. Uh, yes, terrorists that we you know that we would probably most readily identify with, you know, th through headlines, at least, in, at least in, in the West. I think it was important to humanize them because, you know, these are men and men are capable of doing these things and it's important that we remember that they're men that are doing these violent things.
Et ce sont des gens qui And these are people who when they're talking to each other they're talking very quietly they're not screaming or yelling at each other but there's a kind of coldness that enables them to do what they do. Et donc c'est important pour moi de And I think it's important to remember that all of these people were once children they were children who grew up and they're part of humanity and they still retain part of that humanness. Il a basculé dans la barbarie c'est inacceptable. And the fact that they've, they've fallen into committing barbarous acts is, is, is bad. Voilà, mais c'est important de, voilà, de, de se dire que c'est... I, I think it's important to remember, to remind ourselves that these are people who otherwise might be quite normal people. Et c'est ça qui est dangereux, c'est ça qui est terrible aussi. And that's what's dangerous and that's what's really terrible. And then similarly, the, the population, the locals that are depicted in the movie, are not docile. Um, they will talk back to the jihadists. Uh, the woman I'm thinking in particular, who was selling the fish, um, she said, cut my hands off or what, you know. Um, and, and they're not just laying back and just, you know, out of fear. I mean, they're not coward. I mean, obviously there must be fearfulness happening, of course, but they are, there is resistance in, in many ways, in many underlying ways. Was that important for you to, to show that as well, I would imagine? C'est vrai que la population avait face à eux des gens... It's true that the, the local population were confronted with these people who were very violent, who were armed, and who were interested and had a, a particular objective in mind that they wanted to impose on people. And whenever you're confronting an armed... Mais malgré cela, les gens ont continué à chanter quand même dans les maisons les gens ont bravé ça but in spite of this people continue to sing they may have been singing inside their houses but it was a way of defying them et les femmes ont and i think that women were probably the first victims of 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 their ideology but they were also the first ones to stand up and fight I mean, one beautiful moment, I think, that, you know, I, I, whenever I read about this movie, this one scene is brought up quite, quite frequently as the, what I call, like, the virtual soccer slash football game, um, where the kids are running around the field playing a game, but there is one thing particularly missing, which is the ball. Um, and that was sort of like, I saw it as an amazing um, um, act of, disobedience really to the jihadists. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to open up to questions. Anybody want to ask the first one? First, I just want to thank you for making this beautiful movie. It is to me the, the most beautiful the most important and the most political film in the festival. And it's just stunning to watch. And, and people like myself and those in America need to see the, 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 a fully dimensioned person that is called a jihadist, who is called a, a citizen in these countries. So it was very eye-opening and very human. So thank you. Uh, Brian's touched on many of the things I would have asked you, but th there's a one section of the film which is about the gun. 
And his wife says, don't take the gun. And he takes it anyway. And I, my takeaway was that he didn't shoot him. It was an accident when they were sort of fighting. But it wasn't, I just want to confirm that that is true. And what were you really wanting to say with the gun, uh, with the nomad? No, dans la réalité... It wasn't a total accident because he did take the gun and he did go there. Um, but I think it's important that you remember that one of the functions of art is really to tell things in a different way so that we see things differently. And in a way, even though this is someone who killed someone else to create an empathy for this shepherd. Que la vie, pour moi, and really, I mean, it, it, it's also a way of showing that, you know, it's, it's a very tenuous kind of situation where, you know, he could have died just as easily in quand, that fight. When they both fall into the water, you don't know which is the one who is dead. Voilà. Si après, un se lève, voilà. Donc, ça Afterwards, one of them gets up and that's how you know. Que la vie tient à très peu de choses. You know. It was quite an amazing wide shot, actually, in that in that moment after they were li lying in the water. What was you and you, you worked? Let's see, I wrote down the DP's name. Sorry, Sofiane Alfani. Um, what was what is the aesthetic that you were going for with some of these scenes? Well, très vite, uh, on a décidé. Uh When we first started to scout out the set location, we noticed this place where it's above and it, the, the, the high point where it looks down over the water. And we decided that it really would be a very good place to shoot because it's very strong. And it gives a very strong impression when you see it. But, you know, this was the last part of the film that we shot and we only had two days in which to do it. So we were working on a very, very tight schedule and it was almost like being in a race because we would shoot a scene and sometimes we had to, you know, reshoot and then we were worrying about the sunset coming before we were done. But I think that, you know, this is just what cinema is. You know, the magic of cinema is this was, that's what this is part of. And there are always going to be things in filmmaking that you can't control. Okay, questions? Yes? What are the plans for the film to be distributed and screened through Africa? And is there any hope of it being shown in the Middle East? Bon, de façon générale, la distribution est très très mal organisée en Afrique. Um, generally speaking, distribution in Africa is very poorly organized. Le film est sorti en Mauritanie la semaine passée. The film uh, came out in Mauritania last week. Et uh, il va être montré, mais c'est dans un festival en Égypte. It's going to be shown at a, a film festival in Egypt. Mais pour le moment, il n'y a pas de distributeur pour le film là-bas. But for the moment, there's no distributor for the film there. There are, there are festival screenings that are possibilities or that are planned, but distribution is a little, is a little uncertain right mais now. Mais pas à cause du thème, hein? mais ça c'est la difficulté. De but it's not because of the subject; it's just because of the logistics of the way films are distributed there. How, but how was the reaction to um, its opening in Mauritania? Mauritania. Uh, très forte, hein? les gens. The, the reaction of the audience in Mali was very, very strong. Mm -hmm. They were very touched by it. Great. Right. Uh, who's next? <laughs> you want to know? Sure, go for it. A few days ago, Catherine Bigelow showed a short film about 
the ongoing extinction of elephants in Africa. And she had a panel, and one was a young African man who talked about ISIS, but talked about ISIS in a way that most of us did not anticipate. He put it in a context of how this was created and how the US government and the World Bank and other interests create these situations. You and your film also make these jihadists, uh, not just terrorists, but human beings who also are very human. When you show, when we learn in the end that I'm giving away a secret perhaps, but it's not a major secret, that the jihadist actually smokes, that uh, it so humanizes him. And what was your goal in doing that? And what are the background politics of this situation? because you have talked about it before in other films. It's not a, 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 a question that I really can, can get a grip on. I think what's really important to remember is that when people become barbarians and they commit violent acts, that it's not always the fault of someone else that sinon, they're doing it. Sinon, on peut tout expliquer. Because otherwise, everything could be easily explained. Uh, le, le violeur d'enfants, on va expliquer pourquoi il est violeur. Donc c'est. You know, je pense que. Someone who rapes a child can explain why they were a rapist. Il faut que les les hommes soient responsables de leurs actes. Aussi. I think it's important for people to be responsible for their actions as well. Mais il est clair que But I think it is very true that poverty plays a very real role, important role in violence. Voilà. Et que il y a d'autres formes de violence qui sont pas visibles. And there's voilà. other forms of violence that aren't necessarily visible. La domination de l'autre aussi. Dominating someone else. Uh, anyone, last question? Or I will guess. <laughs> yes, please. I'd love to hear a little bit about the mad woman or the witch in the movie. Haitian, right? Which is a Haitian, yeah. Pour moi, elle représente, parce qu'elle est folle, elle peut Because she's crazy. She's allowed to be elegant, she's allowed to be beautiful, she doesn't have to cover herself up. And this is how I wanted to portray the prohibitions of the, of the jihadists. Maybe just to wrap it up a bit, what, what, uh, what is the situation now in Timbuktu and Mali and sort of this region um, today? La situation pour le moment est, je dirais, calme. I think you could say that things are calmer there, but it's a very complex situation, and it's also affected by what's going on in other places, like in Libya and also in Syria. And there's so much going on that it's it's constantly in flux. But I don't necessarily think that the decision to make war there is a good one either. All right, well, please join me in thanking Abderrahman Sasako. Thank you, Ellen.
The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Brian Brooks, Nick Kemp, and Michael Oatmark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.com, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.